0: Everybody praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Okay, we'll read some scripture for you. are Seated. How many feels good in the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, next week, actually, for the first time in, I guess, since the uh, COVID germ warfare started, uh, Canada will be able to live stream back to us. And uh, so next week, we'll have them hooked up online so that we'll be able to uh, greet them basically on the screen so we can see them once again. That's, uh, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's open the Bibles for your seated this morning. I'd like to read a portion of the scripture uh, found in basically Luke chapter 4. Something's wrong. I don't know. Luke chapter 4. This is a, a, a good lesson this morning. I don't know, I can't hear up here. You got me out there somewhere. I'm like an echo. One, two, three, one, two, three. In Luke chapter 4, I'd like to start with verse 16. Now, most of you are familiar with this portion of Scripture, but maybe we need to look at it again. Because our subject is basically what we call faith in the presence of Christ. Christ being the anointing or the pillar of fire called the Logos, which is basically God in a veil. We are declaring that the scripture teaches the doctrine of what we call the presence. Which is known by a Greek word called perusia. Now people in the message do not like that word perusia because... They believe that we are saying that Jesus is here now. And that's exactly what we're saying. But not the Jesus that died on Calvary, the man. We're looking at Jesus, which is Jehovah Savior. There's only one God. He is spirit, and his name that we know is Jesus, which simply means Jehovah Savior. GOD IS OUR SAVIOR EVERYTHING IN THE SCRIPTURE IS ABOUT GOD AND WITHOUT THE ANOINTING UPON HIM JESUS WOULD ONLY BE A MAN AND WOULDN'T BE ABLE TO DO NOTHING NO MORE THAN YOU AND I ALL RIGHT BUT WITH THE ANOINTING OR THE FAVOR OF GOD UPON HIM THEN WE SEE HIM AS THE MESSIAH OR THE ANOINTED ONE And we read in the Gospels all the glorious acts that he done and people thereby make him God. He was God manifested in the flesh. But the son or the man was not God per se. Because God is a spirit and we've gone over and over. You cannot kill God. God cannot die. And we know that Jesus died and and God raised him from the dead. So you, you see that we have this scriptural view of Jesus, and the Bible declares him as a prophet called Son of Man. Jesus was the Son of Man because God incarnated himself in this person, and he was the fullness or the perfect expression of the Spirit, God. Therefore, he could say, when you see me, you see the Father. But no man has seen God at any time. Only the Son has declared him or made him known to us. In other words, God had to have a means or a channel to speak to us and reveal himself to us through a means or a channel. And he chose that to be a man. Okay. We're teaching the presence of God here today as a unique part of the restoration necessary for immortality you'll find in your lesson this morning that there's three steps to the salvation of your soul justification sanctification baptism of the Holy Ghost without a certain portion of scripture being fulfilled we'll continue to die go by the way of the grave way the grave no matter how much you're baptized with the Holy Ghost You will die unless certain scriptures are fulfilled because God Himself has to be here to bring this final work of restoration to pass in our lives. And that is a revelation of Himself, the Word, and the Word becomes flesh in us by faith. So by an understanding, we become the Word manifested in flesh. Let me just follow me. So our subject is faith in the presence. Now the presence is invisible, but faith calls those things that you can't see as though they are. So we're seeing through the eyes of faith and it will become so real to us that he will become personalized and he will become visible, physical right before us. So without the law of confession we can go into many aspects of it. Without the law of confession telling that God is here, it will take faith to bring that part of the Word into manifestation. Just like divine healing. If you don't confess I'm healed, follow the law of faith, you'll never be healed. We're taking that same law now to bring the presence of God real to you and I, that He and I and you will become one. And we will be able to say, when you see me, you see the Father. All right, so we're going to look at a portion of Scripture that basically should open a key or a piece to our minds that the message gets more clear and more clear, because today we see more confusion in the message people than even in organized religion. In uh, Luke, basically, chapter 4, verse 16, we'll find it. It says, And Jesus now, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, which is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He went to a unique scripture. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, you can preach months upon each portion of this, but we don't have time. But what I want you to understand is, without the Spirit of God being upon Jesus, he could not do none of this. All right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, this is all to Israel now. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And if you notice there in your Bible, there is a period. You say, well, why is that important? We'll see later because there's a period. Basically, Jesus stops the prophecy right there. Okay, let's follow that and then he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down now there's Revelation chapter 5 referring to Jesus taking the book climbed upon the Father's stone and sitting down the same thing and the eyes of all of them that were innocent the synagogue were fastened upon him and he began to say unto them this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And all bear, bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? In other words, they knew him, therefore they did not receive him of being in authority. Amen. Let's ask God to help us this morning. Father, we know that by your Spirit only that we can understand and open the understanding of your word to us. That it will become a part of us by revelation so we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning to open yourself to us reveal yourself through the Word of God and become one in us and we'll thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen you can be seated this morning I was noticing on uh, line I remember back when I was younger, i put it like that. I'm not old now, but I was used to be younger. And how many remembers we used to have Jericho marches? We used to all get around the altar screaming holler for two hours. Get up and pray and dance and whatever more. And I remember at that time they called us Pentecostal. What back in the 80s, was basically really a bad name by, called Pentecost because we had moved out of Pentecost and now we were the bride. So if you went to a message church, it looked like you went to a funeral. You could hear a pin drop. We called that church order. So we stopped saying amen. We stopped going to the altar. We start, stopped praying as a group. We stopped praying or singing any song that would require clapping your hands. We took the tambourine out. We took the drums out. That was basically Pentecostal. Anything that put a little rhythm to it was Pentecostal. But I notice online now, Jeffersonville and everybody else running and screaming and hollering and clapping and whatever more, unless everybody's dancing and doing a jig, they're not bride what happened between the soberness because during that time we have went from running around the building to sitting hearing the word. So we were wrong then. We made the transition to where basically they were. They made the transition to where we're at. Now we're wrong and they're right on and on. So what should be going on in this hour? What is God actually doing? What is this period of time from 1965 when the prophet left the scene, the Son of Man ministry being a live prophet was over, let's call it that way, finished. Now from 65 to this morning we have sat here pondering what the message was all about, what God's doing and trying to see and have church. People running from church to church, switching this, leaders want more, preachers come, preachers fall, movements come, movements go. But what is God doing? Does the Bible actually tell us and show us what is going on in this hour that we can know that He is here and why He is here? Because the evidence that we are the elect or the very elect, that's what we're looking at, is to recognize your day and its message our title is the faith in the presence of God but what I want to understand is we call it basically the presence but the Bible calls it the day of vengeance now before we start on this day of vengeance let me remind you there's nothing in this Bible negative to the believer Everything in this Bible is a blessing, and it's a positive to the believer. So when you hear the wrath of the Lamb, you hear judgment, you hear vengeance, don't go to the negative. Lean toward the positive. Because if it's a day of vengeance, God must have something special for His elect. And what we're going to try to show you, and I've preached for 20-something years now, that Brother Branham's message declaring the presence of God, we want to understand what that presence is, why He is here, and what day are part of restoration that we're living in. Because there will be no immortality until God comes in the role of the judge to put us on trial or the church on trial, and those that are found not guilty. Will be allowed to enter into immortality. And just follow me. I want you to also understand when I teach this and have taught it through the years, and we declare that Jesus, the man, the high priest, or the mediator, in 1963, or when the seal was opened, come off of the mercy seat, and he took a book. Revelation chapter five. It says there was a book there. It tells us that no man was found worthy to take the book for a period of 2,000 years. call the time of grace or the acceptable year of the Lord. At a time and a junction when it comes to an end, we find that Jesus or the Lamb was worthy to take the book, break the seals therefore, and open the book. What we're declaring to you that when he opened the book and come off of the mercy seat and opened the book, the fullness of the Gentiles had come. We were at the end. There had to be a junction. There had to be a turn of a corner. There had to be another dispensation or there had to be another portion of Scripture that comes into manifestation to be fulfilled. What we're declaring is that portion of Scripture that I call the presence or the perusia of Christ is absolutely veiled to understanding except to the very elect. Now, I could give you quotes and scriptures and we could stand here for hours, but what I want to understand this morning and show us that basically the Bible absolutely teaches, and it can be a doctrine, and it is a doctrine. That there is to be a literal presence here in this hour to do a specific thing. And without it, there is no resurrection and no immortality. All right. So let's look at it real carefully. And basically, we can, I think, God will open up a little part to us this morning. In verse 18, in Luke 18, we find here Jesus reading the book of Isaiah. And we'll go to it in a few minutes, which is chapter 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, we can labor on that because without the anointing, as I said before, Jesus would not be able to do anything. He flatly told you that He could not heal. He could not perform a miracle. He couldn't raise the dead. It was the Father in Him doing these works. Therefore, we can understand that Jesus, the created Son of God, was a unique man. Now, he was more than a prophet, although he fulfilled the role of the prophet, because Moses said in Deuteronomy that God would send a prophet, and Israel must hear that prophet or be cut off. We're also told in the book of Acts, chapter 3, that heaven must receive Jesus, the man, that prophet, until the restoration of all things, and then he would come again as a prophet. And those that did not receive that profit in this end time would be cut out of the economy of God. So what we're looking at is a prophecy divided and called a time. One period of time is called the acceptable year of the Lord. And another period is called the day of vengeance of our God. Okay? So let's follow it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the good news of the kingdom to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is what Jesus said he was sent to do and what he was doing. Watch. To deliver, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And now then he puts a period there. In other words, he stops. If you've listened to the message, This Day the Scripture Fulfilled, Brother Branham goes through it. He goes through the story about the, his Bible that he had uh, being stuck together. And he kept reading, the priest walks up and hands him the Bible, and he puts an event to bring us to pass that there was this absolutely transpiring again. So we notice that he said, I'm here to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So therefore they understood that Jesus was declaring himself to be that prophet of Deuteronomy 18. Now the reason I put Deuteronomy 18 and the these scriptures in here is because people in the message ministers that have walked away from the prophet because they believe that certain things he said did not come to pass. And therefore, he could not be listened to or was not feared. So what I'm saying is, according to Scripture, if I can find where Brother Brandon was off the word or something didn't come to pass, then I don't have to listen to him. Nobody wants to listen to a prophet of judgment. So the easy way out instead of coming to the Word and falling upon the mercy of the court is to find something wrong in the case to where you can get out of the penalty. People think they're out of the penalty because they do not understand this period that we're in that it calls the presence is also called the day of vengeance of our God. Where God is here as the Logos, or the Word, in the role of a judge. Uh, David, if you can find the picture of the cloud, we'll put it up there just in a few minutes. Watch that. So when he said, I'm here to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, Israel looked at the acceptable year of the Lord as a year of Jubilee. It wasn't the year of Jubilee, but Jesus was saying I'm here to preach the gospel of grace. I'm here as a type of the year of Jubilee. I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to bring Israel to its climax. I'm actually going to raise the dead. I'm going to go set the captives free. And I'm going to cause all the Old Testament saints to come forth in a glorified body. So Jesus declares himself to be a prophet to fulfill uh, the Old Testament saints. And it was known to the Israel that in that acceptable year, everything that was in slavery, they sold himself into bondage, could be set free if they chose to accept their freedom. Now, to accept your freedom, Brother Bam used the story about the prisoner. And he got a pardon from Lincoln. And when they took the pardon to the prisoner, the prisoner said, The president wouldn't pardon me, he don't know me, what more? And he said, It's not true. And they took him out and hanged him, or killed him, because the prisoner did not accept the pardon from Lincoln to be set free. What we're declaring this morning is what? God is here as judge. Now, we have declared over and over that he absolutely taught that the bride that would accept him in his role as judge and come to the trial that we have found ourselves not guilty. That's hard for us to receive because we know that we've done it. we went through the stages of forgiveness. We're not looking at forgiveness now. We're looking at a pardon. We're looking at the imputation of righteousness. We're looking at the penalty being absolved. We're looking at being made As clean as if we never sinned in the first place. Now that can only be done not by the grace of God because grace only covers your ignorance. Grace period was where God uh, intervened because of the ignorance of the people. Now when that age of ignorance is over, where can we find hope or where can we find mercy? That's in the word of God standing before the judge. And pleading mercy. Like the publican said, have mercy upon me, O Lord, I am a sinner. And he went home justified. So there's a lot of lessons. And remember, grace period of ignorance is over. And it's been over ever since the opening of the seven seals. People say, well, no one can be saved. Jesus was not on the mercy seat for you to be saved. He was there because of the ignorance of the people. Because they rejected the word and it went into darkness. Because there were still names on the Lamb's book of life that hadn't come into existence to be manifested as sons and daughters of God as yet. So the acceptable year of the Lord is that period of time from Calvary until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled that we uh, know as the seven church ages. And it's following me so far. Now, it's a, it's a picture. Now, Brother Brandon preached all these parts in hundreds of sermons. And people has wrestled with it and put it back and forth. And seals are not open. The seals are open. He's here. He's not here. There's no jizz. On and on and on. But there is a doctrine in here. There is scriptural doctrine. That is open to the eyes of the very elect. That we can come into the presence of God Himself. And He will give you a revelation of Himself. And that revelation will bring you to immortality. So we're in this period of time. Where God is doing something in His sons and daughters. He's doing something in the bride. You say, well, if we're in the day of vengeance, uh, where's all the judgment? We are in the day of vengeance. But what I want you to understand is think of vengeance as a positive. He's here to avenge us from our enemy are the serpent seed. Just like the widow went to the judge, unjust judge, avenge me of my adversaries, give me my inheritance, give me my land back, restore to me what the enemy has taken away from me. And she come back and come back and the judge said, give her her property so she uh, will shut up. God is here as a judge and He's here to avenge the elected. There will be not one righteous seed destroyed by the wrath of God, praise the Lord, will not be one foolish virgin or one bride destroyed by the wrath of God. Therefore, when the wrath of God falls on this earth, the foolish and the wise will be all gone. The wise will be in glory, the foolish will be slain, and there won't be nothing here but serpent seed, and he burns the whole thing off. So when we think about the wrath of the Lamb and the sixth seal and the judgments that come in, never think of it in the negative. we got a, we got a, something up here that we always think, well, my, what shape am I What My kids, what shape are they can I say? But on and on they go. Remember, there will be not one seed of God perish under the wrath of God. Amen. Amen. So the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said, I come to preach the acceptable year. Year of the Lord. So the acceptable year of the Lord is the period of time from Calvary to the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ until the fullness of the Gentiles come. Known to us as the covenant of grace. The blood covenant is a covenant of grace. Grace speaks of election and speaks to ignorance. Have you followed me so far? What if you never had a Bible, and you've never read, and you've never heard 10,000 sermons preached to you? You wouldn't have one clue of what God's plan is, the righteousness of salvation is, what God's going to do, or what He has done, or nothing else. You would be absolutely ignorant or veiled to the knowledge of what God is, and what He's doing, and where you're at. So God provided a blood covenant, His grace, in election. Blood covered in the ignorance until he could bring the full revelation of himself, the Word, into manifestation. So a group of people can absolutely hear, receive, and become one with the written Word of God. We're in the period of time now, not of ignorance, and actually not even the grace of God. But we're in the time of the judge. Here is a cloud. In 1963, Brother Branham called Ephesians Second uh, Thessalonians one to seven, and we'll read it in a few minutes. Where God comes with his angels of flaming fire. He comes as the wig one, and when you turn it around, he called that the wig of the judge. The day of grace is to the Gentiles is over. Now, let's look and see where that's in the Scripture. He tells us in verse 20 here, if you follow the Word, that when Jesus read the Scripture to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which we are calling now the covenant of grace or the time of the church ages under the blood, salvation by grace, He absolutely closed the book. Notice where He closed the book. He closed the book at the end of the acceptable year of the Lord. And we're going to find that he closed the book actually from the prophecy of judgment. Because when we read the prophecy, it says he will preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, then stop. So Isaiah probably said when he's there to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, judgment was to follow but we find that Jesus stopped the book on the acceptable day of the Lord and you notice it said and he gave it again to the minister and sat down now brother Brown, he goes to Revelation chapter 5 of the Revelation series and everybody screams and hollers what more there's no man found worthy to open the book behold the line of the tribe of Judah he was found worthy he come out as a bleeding lamb and he takes the book and opens the seals he climbs upon the father's throne and sits down the man Jesus glorified opens a book climbs upon the father's throne and in Revelation ten one to seven it says this one on the throne, which is the pillar of fire, he comes down here now with the open book as the judge. If he comes down as the judge, the open book declares that the acceptable year of the Lord is over, and the day of vengeance of our God begins. So he said, All eyes were on him because they're fasting. and he sat down and uh, began to speak marvelous things. Brother Branham, I didn't put the quote in there, but Brother Branham said, If you'll notice now, you Pentecostals think that your anointing or the Spirit of God is over on you. You, you run and shout and you clap your hands and all that. He said, That's not the anointing of the Lord, that's only the blessings which you can get in by going to a ball game or a rock concert or anything else you just get in the spirit of the time when the anointing was upon Jesus he was absolutely anointed God in flesh and basically he sat down and proclaimed to them the interpretation or the fulfilling of the word of God so the anointing is not running and shouting and glory to God hallelujah I so said that's Pentecostal blessing. The anointed day is when you're anointed, the Word of God is open to you and you set down and you proclaim the Word of God to the understanding of the people that they can absolutely see and understand what the Spirit is doing for them, to them in what hour you're in. All right. We see this also, this duality in basically Acts chapter two. If you want to go there, it's Acts chapter two. Uh, verse 16, but it's in your notes if you want to read it. What I'm trying to show you is the prophecy sounds like it's one big event. But the prophecy is basically one event, but there was a junction of 2,000 years between the fulfilling of it. The theologians don't get that because and to them means a continuation. And in the Bible meant 2,000 year interruption. If you don't see that, the Bible will tell you stories that's not in there. That's the reason why they don't understand the second coming of Jesus, is because they miss the and and understand that Jesus actually comes, the pillar of fire, that Jehovah Savior. God actually is spoken of in Scripture to come here to earth to fulfill and finish certain prophecies that speaks of the day of vengeance, the wrath of the Lamb, or the day of the Lord, or the judgments of God. All right, let's look at Verse 16, Peter says, but this, what is this? They asked him, what is this on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell? Say, what is this? And he declares, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he's saying, what you're seeing happening before you in the eyes of this people, they're running around like they're drunk. You're seeing the Word manifested in flesh. You're seeing actual scriptures coming alive in these individuals. And he said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, there's two days, 2,000 years, one day is 1,000 years, two days of the church ages, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. We're going to see there's 2,000 years between these two events. Because we see, and I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Now this is the day of vengeance. This is the wrath of the Lamb, actually we call it the sixth seal, tribulation. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great, watch now, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. That's the sixth seal, that's the day of vengeance. And it didn't happen two thousand years ago. So Peter said this prophecy is what you're seeing fulfilled but the judgment didn't come. Why? Because when Jesus read the book of the acceptable year, when he closed the book, he closed the book on judgment. The judgment could not come until the book is open again. Hey, Miss, follow me now. Okay. He closed the book, acceptable year of the Lord, period. Okay, it stops right there. So the day of vengeance cannot come to pass at that time. It can only come to pass when the book is open again. When the book is open again, then we move to the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, da-da-da, 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 to finish up the prophecy of Isaiah. So what I'm saying is, Isaiah absolutely prophesied of the period of time today that we're calling the parousia of Christ. Or the judge being here, God himself, the word, here separating the sheep from the goats. This is what's going on now. So you're finding here, watch, that the day of vengeance is called the presence. Are you following me? In the New Testament, 26 times, the word perusia, which interpreted means the presence. I've been on this since 1981 or 2. That's the reason why we're not considered in the message. They They don't even consider us as being a part of the message, period. Why? Because Brother Gregory believes that Jesus is here. Brother Gregory believes in two lords. Brother Gregory believes in two gods. I believe in two lords, but not two gods. The Lord, Elohim himself, God Almighty, Adonai, said to a master, our Lord, which is Jesus Christ, you sit down on my throne until I go down and make all your enemies your footstool. And when I do that, I'll come down and judge and present to you a chaste virgin. I'm going to go down and do all the work. That period has come to a close. God is here in a unique way dealing with only his very elected to bring them to immortality for the rapture. All right. So we see a statement here that in the time of judgment called the day of vengeance, that what he said, and it came, uh, uh, a notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the day of vengeance, there comes a time that all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's pretty simple. That cuts out everything except knowing who's there and what day you're living. How can you call on the name of the Lord if you don't know who the Lord is? So basically, what I'm saying is not to separate, but to be the truth. Brother Branham said this revelation is set aside only for his bride, only those who would open their minds to receive, to have enough sense to ask God for mercy. Oh, Brother Gregory, if the blood's gone and Jesus offers mercy, nobody can be saved. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got to have mercy. Mercy means, well, let's put it like this. If you go to a judge, let me watch the, There's something on there that comes up on my little thing here, the judge. And they go up and say, well, you got so many parking meters and so many men, and now feel sorry. He, he let, you go for the judge. You stole a car. Okay? The judge cannot forgive you. Boy, y'all like a pen. Are we? <laughs> we should be running around the building now. The judge can't forgive you, not if he's a righteous judge, because the law says, he looks over here, stealing the car, maximum penalty, 25 years. But then you have this nervous breakdown. You get so sorry, you fall, you beat the floor, and you scream, and you snot, and you holler. Your parents write letters how good you are, you're reformed, on and on and on. Oh, God, oh, God, help us. More. Oh, and you fall on the mercy of the court. And the judge, he gets to wiping tears with you, And he says, All right, uh, since you're you're so repentant and sorry, I'm going to show mercy and I'm only going to give you a year. Uh, Instead of 25 years, I'm going to only give you a year and I'll I'll let you out on your parents' uh, behavior just because. So God, that judge showed you mercy, which is justice, but he can't forgive you. I thought we'd get it. I preached on it so many times. Brother Bram said, little Bride, I'm here to tell you now, as the judge, you're on trial. Remember the message if you listen to it enough. You're on trial. Satan points out everything that we've done wrong. He points out every failure that we have, and it's absolutely the truth. We drink, we smoke, we crowd around, we do all these things, and it's absolutely a sin. Justice says we need to go to hell. Justice says there's no hope for us. But then if we ask the judge for mercy, that's a whole sermon. If you ask the judge for mercy, can the judge show mercy and declare that you go home righteous as though you never done it? That's what the message is all about. I'm here to tell you, little bride, as the judge, that you never done it in the first place. You're the righteous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. Why? God showed you mercy because your name was in the Lamb's book of life. That's just what we're trying to get across in the day of judgment now. You can only receive mercy to go into immortality only in the day of vengeance when the judge is there to declare your case. We preached the judge was here. Oh, my, everybody just hates the judge. Well, Brother Gregory, you know, don't Brother Gregory and me. You'll never get to the resurrection and a rapture outside of the day of the vengeance of our God. In that time period, God promised to do something special for you and I. Let's look at it. So we see a statement that in a time of judgment called the day of vengeance, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, by some means, they recognize the day and role, I'm going to put role now, or what name God is fulfilling in a mask. Many people have seen the role of a prophet, they recognize son of man. Because they say, oh, Brother rams a prophet, Brother rams a prophet, Brother Brown's a prophet. All right, now that's a part of the Scripture that's anointed on people to absolutely accept that God even sent a prophet. But that's not all of it. You can come that far and still miss it. So we see in the Scripture a period of time. And this is the only thing that makes sense for me. or brother, this message is just a mess and it's just... It don't mean too much at all. Because Brother Brown preached this, what, uh, 60 years ago, 1965 when he lost sleep. So we're looking at 50 years that basically nothing has happened. We find ourselves, as it was in the days of Noah, we're eating and drinking and building houses and marrying, dedicating babies, going to the altar, and joining church and whatever more, and it's been over now for 50 years. Church ages is over. So where do we find ourselves in the scripture? There's got to be scripture to determine what's went on from the time the prophet left the scene to this present time. If there's not, there's got to be another prophet coming. He's got to do greater than the last prophet. All these scriptures that we preached for 45 or 50 years has still got to be fulfilled. And we see now basically darkness is getting darker and darker and darker. And if you listen to the message, this day the scripture fulfilled, it looks like Brother Branham watched Fox News last week and got up and preached it 50 years ago because he told you exactly what was going on today 50 years ago. It sounds like he watched Fox News last week. He pinpointed everything that was going on, even to communism, even everything that's going on, but he said, now, don't you worry about communism. Let me just throw this in here. Communism is taken over the world. We got Marxists in America. We got Marxism up there in Washington, D.C. Communism took over. All of the politicians, every Democrat is in the back pocket of China. They bought them and paid for them once and for all, lock, stock, and barrel. They're sold out. But Brother Bram said, "Don't worry about communism. It's only a tool in the hand of God to bring you under Catholicism for the mark of the beast. It's religion that you've got to watch." All right. So we see in Joel's prophecy here in Acts, you see the baptism of the Holy Ghost that Peter said was poured out on the day of Pentecost. He also speaks of a time period in between. In the Omega, when the outpouring of the Spirit, right before the great and notable day of the Lord, and he's here speaking in verses 20: sun shall be darkness, moon shall turn into blood, great and notable day of the Lord. He's actually speaking of the day of vengeance of our God. That did not transpire 2,000 years ago. So, what happened to the prophecy? Half of it was fulfilled, and half of it was sitting there for two thousand years, unfulfilled. So this day we're looking at the second half of the prophecy, and we can declare to you as a minister and a prophet already declared it, this day, the second half of the prophecy or the day of vengeance of our God is being fulfilled right before your eyes. And if we don't recognize our day and its message, we're going into the tribulation period or we'll be a part of the sixth seal. Watch what Jesus began to say in verse 21, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ear. So Jesus was actually declaring to those people that you are seeing the actual Word of God Fulfilled in flesh. Brother Branham preached the message and he absolutely declared one after another. There's about 15 or 20 statements there that he said this day this scripture is fulfilled. This day this scripture is fulfilled. This day this scripture is fulfilled. Right down the line to bring us this morning sitting under a time period called the presence where God is here under the role of and the mask of a judge to separate the elect from the non-elect and to bring the day of vengeance to a close and fulfill the sixth seal which is basically judgment at the end of 1260 days under two prophets. But also in that time period there's something that happens to the very elect because God will not kill us. He's going to take us out of Of this realm to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So how do we get up there in this mortal body without changing to immortality? There's no way. So God has to be here to give you a revelation to give us a faith that'll absolutely make us one with the Spirit Word so our bodies can be changed by the revelation of the economy of God in us when it comes out of our mouth as a confession. How are you going to be saved? If you go to, what is it, Romans 9 or 10, Romans there, it said uh, basically, if you confess, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. Paul was speaking to Israel there as a confession. You have to confess that Jesus Christ died for you, and God raised him from the dead, and he said, Israel, if you want to be saved, You've got to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. He's the Messiah. And when you confess that with your mouth, you will be saved. If that's true to Israel, that's true to the Gentile also. If you follow the word confession and go to Joshua chapter 1 that Brother Brandon went to. And God told Joshua, you meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Well, I thought, now meditate means to think upon, to ponder, you know, and just uh, just think about it silently, meditate, yeah. But when you look the word up, meditate, it doesn't mean to think about and just meditate upon. It means to confess with your mouth the word that faith comes by hearing you say it until you become one with the word. So, meditating on the things of God is absolutely verbalizing it, confessing it, that the Word can become flesh in your heart and my heart to change our bodies. Our confession is, God is here to change my body. Okay, let's look at something else here. We find in Luke 16, 16. The Bible tells us that the law and the prophets were until John. Okay, here's where your Elijah ministry comes in. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. So the acceptable year of the Lord is basically when Jesus began to preach the kingdom of God is nigh. Repent for the kingdom of God is coming to you. So the acceptable year of the Lord, I'll keep repeating because of repetition, the acceptable year of the Lord is that period called the covenant of grace under the blood for ignorance for seven church ages of which we know that we're in Laodicea where you're blind, miserable, naked, and don't even know it, and Jesus is outside the door knocking, trying to get back in, it is over. We're at the end of the Pentecostal age. The life in Pentecost is gone. All this shouting and whatever more, as wonderful as it is, it's just like shucks blowing in a dry wind. The false anointed ones today is not Benny Hinn and T.D. Jakes. You say, well, they're anointed. They're anointed all right. And we know what spirit they're anointed of. The anointing today is in this message, preachers preaching Pentecostalism under the first and second pull. Now think about that. Oh, Brother Greg, you're just trying to discredit. I'm not. They are anointed. But they're anointed with the quotes before the day of vengeance started. You won't hear them play tapes or preach after the seals. Because why? They don't understand what happened when the book is open. Because to most people now that doesn't study, if you're saying the book is open, you're absolutely telling them that basically they're in the judgment period. Jesus already come. The days of mercy is over, salvation is over. To them, it means destruction, it means negativism, it means everybody's lost. The day of vengeance of our God. Is the only time period where God will absolutely do a work in His believers that will change us from mortal to immortality. And we're going to look at it right here. Okay, so let's go to Isaiah 61, where basically Jesus is reading from. Isaiah 61. Now, Brother Bram covered this in the message that this day the Scripture fulfilled. Watch. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, each one of them, you can go for and preach a message showing what it is. Opening the prison to them that are bound. That's your death, burial, and resurrection to the Old Testament saints. One more. In other words, that's finishing up the Old Testament saints on the law. Watch that. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, And if you'll notice, there's a comma there in Isaiah where Luke put a period. So if you read this prophecy, you would absolutely tie the two together. And say said, this one is to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Okay. So we note that here where Jesus stops and closes the book, and declares that he was present to proclaim. Everybody say proclaim. He was there to proclaim or to preach the gospel of the acceptable year of the Lord. And he was there to proclaim how? Because the Spirit of the Lord, the Logos, the pillar of fire came to him in the river Jordan, anointed him as the Messiah, the great prophet that was to come. And He said, the Lord, now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So you're seeing a unique ministry of the incarnated God in flesh doing a work where God is revealing Himself to Israel by the means of flesh. That's where they fail, because people cannot absolutely see and accept God in the flesh. But the prophecy declares that this same One That preached the acceptable year of the Lord, the very same person, the very same spirit, the very same one that declared the acceptable year of the Lord was also to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Are you following me? Say amen. All right. If he is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, he would also have to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. You say, oh, that's not in there. Well, it is in there to me because if he proclaims the acceptable year, which means preach the gospel, signs, miracle, warning to prove that he's there, he would have to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God by the same means by which he declared the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, the same Spirit God has to come back upon a man and repeat the exact same ministry by the Spirit that God done in the person of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, that same spirit has to come back and do the same thing exactly the same way again to fulfill the scripture that he wrote through the prophet of Isaiah. So, Isaiah absolutely teaches us that there is a time where God is present. What he's doing. Therefore, the presence of God is absolutely a scriptural fact. It is a part of restoration, without which there's no immortality. So if you're not preaching the fourth stage of restoration, there's no immortality. All right, let's see. Let's go ahead and follow. it. Why is people, time goes by fast when you're having a good time, doesn't it? My leg tells you you're about your time's about up. I used to measure by sweat on my tie now I measure when my leg goes numb or dead it's about time to sit down. Why does people fail to accept the Elijah prophet of this hour? All your smart ones all your scholars all your theologians if you go to the internet and start studying, they'll say, well, these Branham people, they believe that the spirit of Elijah was on Brother Branham, that he was a prophet, and he come to fulfill Malachi, which we all know that there's no prophet come to the Gentiles. That's all, that was John the Baptist to the Jews 2,000 years ago. They're, they're, just, uh, they're just a cult. They just, they just don't know the Bible. And if you read the scripture with a closed mind, and what I mean in closed mind is without the anointing of the Holy Ghost to understand what it's saying. That's exactly what you'll believe. Because Malachi 4.1, let's read it. Malachi said, For behold, the day cometh. And we'll get to that day. He's speaking of a specific time now. Remember when you read days, day, and hour. You're looking at a time period that tells you something unique. For behold, the day cometh, in other words, it's not here yet, but it's going to come, that shall burn as an oven. Okay, that's the day of vengeance that Jesus read up here in Luke 4. I'm to preach the acceptable years of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Malachi the prophet speaks or starts this chapter out speaking about the day of vengeance, and he said, and shall burn them as an oven. And all the proud, yea, and all the do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. And it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now, God is talking about a group of people that He's going to absolutely destroy. He's not going to leave them root. He's not going to leave them branch. He's going to take every evidence of that seed off of the earth, period. Now, how many knows what seed that is? It's none of the righteous you had to start with Cain, and you had to start with the serpent, and then you had to start with Satan. All right. So here, Malachi starts out prophesying about the day of vengeance and telling you that he's going to destroy a group of people who do wickedly, watch now, and not leave, and leave a in the root and a branch. And then he said in verse 2 But unto you, God always has something positive to the believer. Hallelujah. Now say, He's talking to me now. He's talking to me now. Everybody say he's talking to me now. What I'm trying to do out of your mouth is make the word alive to you. It won't be alive, you not in your head. It's only going to be alive when you verbalize it. Because God cannot confirm not one thing to you until you believe it and confess it's true to you. You're not saved. Until you say, by God's grace and mercy, I am saved. And that confession will save you as long as you never change that confession. How many understands? All right. But unto you, now he's talking to me, that fear my name, that means you have respect, reverence, and you got an anointing upon you that respects and obeys the word of God. Fear my name; shall the sun issue in a righteousness, arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Praise be to God. Brother man said, "Now that's the healing revival of the '40s and '50s." So here, Malachi prophesies the day of vengeance that's going to burn everybody up, but. In that same time period, he's going to do something for the elect. Watch uh, watch that. And you shall tread down the wicked. Now, keep this in mind because Malachi 4 and Luke 4, 16 to 21, is saying exactly the same thing. You're only reading and repeating the Bible over and over and over. All right. You shall tread down the wicked. That's serpent seed. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Now remember, you're going to receive uh, beauty instead of ashes. Malachi 4 is telling you what God is here doing now. Ashes under the soles of your feet. In In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. What day is it? The day of vengeance of our God. All right. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in horror for all Israel, with the statutes and judgment. In other words, in that day of vengeance, when the judge is there, there's going to be blessing and cursing. Blessing and cursing. The word, non-word. Obey the word, disobey the word. The word says, or the word don't say. You're going to come back to the word of God. So if the word says, thou shalt not, you better not. Oh, you're back on the law. No, no, no. You're back to being one with the Word. If the Bible tells you sisters to dress modest, I would look in the mirror and dress modest. You say, well I'm saved by grace, hallelujah. If you're saved by grace, you'll understand that the Word must be alive in you and you will dress modest. You say, well, how come you don't preach on dress every sermon? Because I'm giving the Holy Spirit and you enough grace and enough maturity to be able to read the Word and fulfill the Word in your life. I cannot do it for you. Is there a dress code in the Scripture for the bride? Amen. That's all that's necessary right there. Watch what he said now. Behold. In the day of vengeance of our God, watch, I want to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. There's 2,000 years between the great and the dreadful day. Here you're seeing the same thing as the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. 2,000 years between these two appearings. So the great day we see when John the Baptist come, declared, "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world." Jesus stands up and said, "I'm here by the anointing of God to preach the acceptable year of the Lord." He closes the book and sets down. In other words, judgment is stopped until the book is open again. Okay. This first ministry up on John. And what does it say? And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and 2,000 years after grace runs out, this same Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Christ, which is the anointing of the Holy Ghost, will come and anoint a man, and the presence of God as a Son of Man ministry will turn the hearts of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers. That Scripture has been fulfilled. That day is over. The heart of the children, of the forest, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. He did not smite the earth with a curse on the day of Pentecost. Just like we read the Spirit of, of, of Joel said this prophecy. The judgment didn't come. Although they're both tied together as a prophecy, only the half of the day of acceptance was covered now because judgment was stopped. I'm repeating it over and over so you can see what Brother Brown was actually saying. The judgment was actually stopped until this same one, the same Jesus, takes the closed book after the acceptable year is over. He takes the closed book and opens it and then starts the day of vengeance of our God. Which absolutely starts that period of time called the presence of Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're looking at a 2,000 year period between the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord. Where Jesus stopped and it's promised by Isaiah and these prophecies that this same one. Would come back at another time, repeat the same ministry to continue the prophecy to fulfill scriptures in this hour. And that's what this message and this prophet is all about. Now placing us under the doctrinal scripture of the presence of God. And now we're under basically the role of a judge. We're under that role of the judge proclaiming the acceptable or the day of vengeance of our God. Now watch. In Luke 21, 24, we see that it says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Brother Branham's ministry in the days of the Son of Man declared, He is here. The message of this hour is he is here. He puts the cloud up there, which now then for the last 10 years they've been arguing about this is a cloud, this was the rocket, this was this. We don't believe it on, and on. They wrestle God's word to his own destruction. You say, how can it be a cloud? And Brother Branham was in Texas when the cloud comes back on him. I'm not simple enough to say, well, I know he's in Texas, but he said he was in so-and-so, and and he was caught up 21 miles. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Scripture lays out for us a picture of what God is doing. And he showed us in type, he showed us by science, to the spiritual mind, what God was absolutely doing. In 1963... When the days of the Son of Man absolutely shifted to the day of vengeance of our God, Brother Brown preached souls in prison now. Which who's in prison? Not the righteous. See, Not the righteous. They're locked up, they're in prison. He said, they'll keep going to church, keep joining the church going to the altar, preaching and preaching, and it's over, and they don't know it. What's over? The acceptable year of the Lord where God's grace through faith in the blood absolutely brought salvation because the book was closed up, and now then you are under that covenant of grace because of the ignorance of the people. When the book opened in Revelation chapter 5. And you see Revelation 10:1 this mighty angel come down to earth with an open book. What the prophet is teaching and what this Bible is teaching is that started the day of vengeance of our God. It opened up not only the seventh seal which was the perusia doctrine God is here. It also opened up the sixth seal. Which Brother Bam declared when uh, he dropped the, throwed up the rock and judgment struck at last and almost sunk it. He said that was the opening of the sixth seal. So what you're seeing now running parallel is under the day of the judge, God is doing a certain thing for his bride to bring them to immortality. Let's see if we can, um, I'll give you several scriptures. But, okay, we put a picture of the cloud, that right there. Okay, that cloud, the prophet said, fulfilled 2 Thessalonians 7.10. Let's read it real quick. How many has got patience with me a little while? All right, watch. 2 Thessalonians 7.10, He said, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, Brother Brown referred to this scripture Was fulfilled in this event. In flaming fire taking vengeance. Now then the day of vengeance has started. The judge is here. The wig one. You don't know it and we don't remember it, but we have absolutely stood and are standing before the judge at this moment. White throne judgment to us and to the bride is going on right now. Brother Bam said, I'm standing before the white throne, pointing to you, so and so and on, so and so. On. We have already been judged. Oh, glory to God. If you're born again, you'll see that. Because if you've been born again and you've already been judged, you've got it made. You, you may not know it, but you've already entered a cycle. Of immortality. How many is following me now? We've already entered that cycle of immortality. You said, well, how do I know? Because this mystery, this secret, God Himself, the Word, is being revealed to you and you are receiving it and becoming a part of it. Glory to God. That should make Pentecostal response out of everybody. Now then, the, the garment of joy what is the garment? The revelation of the presence. We'll get to it. Watch that. Watch. Flaming vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of from the presence of the Lord. Something is going on that's taking people from the revelation of the presence, as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the. Days of the presence of the Son of Man. God is there, and nobody knows anything about it. When He shall come to be glorified in His saints. If God comes as Spirit, Word, to be glorified in His saints, then the saints will be glorified in their spirit and in their body. So what is He here here to do in the day of vengeance? He's here to immortalize himself in flesh to the very elected that has received him as judge, God the Word. It's not systems, it's not creeds, it's not even pastors, prophets, or preachers. It is God the Word. That should have blown the building up. So what are you looking at? You're looking at the fourth stage or the message of life. We'll get to that and we'll close. I give you the scriptures in Ezekiel 37, 1 to 6. Can these dry bones live? And every preacher in Pentecost has preached on the dry bones. And everybody that spoke in tongues is shouting around the building over these dry bones shall live. Amen. Can these bones live? Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Well, we happen to be those dry bones. Thus saith the Lord unto these bones. There wasn't nothing there but bones. What are you saying, Brother Gregory? The revelation come in an embryo state. How many knows what an embryo is? embryo is that conception which starts forming a body. When you are justified baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins there's an embryo of immortal life that begins forming. That embryo goes through four stages to produce immortality in the flesh. It says, watch, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. That's immortality now. That's not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's immortality. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I pray that you'll see the spirit of wisdom revelation, that you may know And have a knowledge of God Himself. So we're not looking at Jesus the Son now. We're looking at God the Word. Our Heavenly Father is here. And we're in that hour that whatever you ask the Father. In the name of Jesus. The Bible said He will give it to you. Amen. Watch now. You will notice there's four stages to bring about immortality, not three, four. The Bible teaches three stages for the redemption of the soul, but there's a fourth stage to bring the body, spirit, and soul to eternal life or to immortal life. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every day of your life. Speak in tongues, fast, and pray, and it's appointed unto man wants to die. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not going to keep you out of the grave. But we got a promise. Then that hour when God the Word comes and puts us on trial, and we go through that trial and is found not guilty, those people is promised, you shall not die. I'm here, what for? To immortalize you. I keep pre- So there's four stages to immortality. Let me read you two quotes and we'll stop. Brother Brown read this screen, he said, Prophesy, son of man, can these bone live? Wish we had time. He said, I got it, it wrote down here, but I have to miss that. It said, Prophesy, can these bone live? What's the four stages of that coming forth of that church? What's the four stages of that coming forth of that church? What's the four stages of Ezekiel's dry bones coming forth? But the life only come, now watch, not when the sinew skin was on them, but when the wind blowed upon them, that's when come back that fourth message of life. I'm declaring to you that that message is the perusia of Christ. God Himself is here. And He's here to do what? To change your body from mortal to immortality. He's got to to go back to Israel. He's got to get us out of the way. Brother Bam said, I will restore saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. The fourth light is to come. That will bring forth the same signs. There's your Son of Man ministry. Watch, justification brought back the pulp, sanctification brought back the Bart, the doctor of holiness. What brought back the lead? Pentecostals, what is it? Pentecostal leaves clap their hands, joy, rejoicing Pentecostal. That stage, the life has gone out of. Life has moved through all four stages now to the fourth stage to those that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Recognizing their day and it's message. What? The fourth day, the fourth was the Word itself. What's the Word itself? God. The Logos. The light. The Word made flesh, Son of man ministry, the Spirit of God in flesh, revealing himself. Watch, fruits of the proof of resurrection sign that Christ has finally After justification, after sanctification, after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all organizations die out, and Christ has again centered Himself like that cap of the pyramid. Boy, they went crazy over that one, and we ought to go crazy. What is it? That Holy Ghost bunch being honed out so that it can fit with the same kind of ministry He had when He went away. When he comes back, it'll catch the whole thing in the rapture where the justified, sanctified, baptism, the Holy Ghost, that pyramid will stand again. The house of God will live again. The tree of life is growing again. In other words, the day of vengeance opened the book. Now the word can continue to immortalization. Judgment's in the land. Without God the judge being here, there can be no further stage outside of the baptism of the Holy Ghost until God opens that book, declares the day of judgment. Because in that hour that he's here putting the church on trial, in that hour, he, there's a group of people living, that's you and I, hoping we can get this cross, who receives mercy. And stands absolutely righteous. As though you never sinned in the first place. Before Almighty God the judge. Why are we found so blessed and put in that state? That's what this message is all about. The fourth stage was a word. Now let me read you. Justification has served its time. justification under Luther, then it had to become sanctification through Wesley. Sanctification has served this time till it become the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost served this time until the Holy Spirit, which there is only one God, and he said that Holy Spirit is that God now, blends into the church and the church into Christ, and it makes Jesus Christ reflected on earth what he prophesied here in the Bible, might not believe it. I can't make you do that. I'm only responsible for the Word, see? That's right. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost makes way for the Holy Ghost itself. He says this in Masterpiece, the Holy Ghost makes way for the Holy Ghost Himself to come right down in perfection, back to the Word again, to what? Open the book and continue the prophecy of the vengeance of our God to bring you to immortality. Let me see if I can just look at it just a little bit. I give you too many scriptures. Look at it. It's all in there. Have patience with me. Just a little. when you get old you do a lot of things. Well, the best thing you do is just read it out of the Bible. Isaiah 61. Somebody get it for me, would you? Let me see. Isaiah 61. You said you're slipping, Brother Gary. You're slipping, Brother Gary. I know it. I know it. You don't have to tell me. I know it. The Spirit of the Lord is up on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the, the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and opening of the prison to them that are bound. To, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that's where Jesus stopped and sat down. There's where the books closed. But the prophecy said, and the day of vengeance of our God. So when is God going to come down? And he must proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. And he must proclaim comfort all that mourn. Here's the bride now through seven church ages. That's been persecuted, killed, rejected, slaughtered, put out, stole from. And will absolutely be slaughtered before the in the tribulation period. He's going to comfort them all that mourn, what? To appoint unto them that mourn, that's the bride now, in Zion, that's the bride, to give unto them beauty for ashes. That was Malachi four that I read to you while while ago. The oil of joy for mourning, that's Ephesians 1, 15 to 17, the spirit of wisdom revelation. Because revelation is the joy of the Lord. Amen. The garment of praise, we'll get to it. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. There's nothing in that scripture that should make us fearful in the day of vengeance of our God. It'll sink in. In the day of vengeance, when the book is opened, Revelation chapter 5, the same one that closed the book 2,000 years later opens the book. God Himself, the Judge, comes down here to earth. And in 1963, the Perusia, the Word, the Judge, began to come into the church to immortalize. To comfort those that mourn. He does this work in the perusia or the time of the presence. What is the sign of the presence of God? False anointed ones, false Christ, tribulation, persecution, whatever more. This message will bring forth an anointing. It'll bring a revelation to immortalize some people. It'll bring a revelation to anoint false vessels to preach the Pentecostal message in the time of the judge which will do you no good at all. What I'm trying to declare is this. The presence is absolutely taught in Scripture as a stage, a period of time where God is here doing something in a unique role as judge to his bride to bring them to immortality for the resurrection, the translation, And the second coming after the tribulation of Jesus Christ back with the bride. That period of time is what I'm pointing to as being scriptural and doctrinal. So when people say, Brother Gregory is preaching that Jesus is here, you can say, Amen. He sure is, and I believe it. This is the time period. And I'll have to do a study on it because I don't understand it all where we're not here in grace, but if the judge is here, and we're here in the time of the presence, the only thing left for us is mercy. And mercy means we've come to the recognition that we actually done it. We need help, and there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous. There will be no law, no conduct that will change the mind of the judge. How many is me now? You can come in, a hippie can steal something, they can come in and put on a suit and cut their hair one more. Oh, you've changed your appearance. Glory to God, you look like a human being. I'm going to set you free. You're, <laughs> that's not it. He must show you mercy. And the only way he'll show you mercy is for you to recognize who's here, what role he is here in and then approach him under that role. God, you are here. We confess your presence. I plead your mercy upon me. I plead your mercy, and I prayed and ask you for the spirit of revelation that I can understand this spirit that you're here in, because I've got to become one with the Word, because you're going to change my body and take me in a rapture to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? Because you told me in your word, this is what you will do. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this great mystery that you've revealed to us. The great hidden secret of God. The 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 understanding that many people scoff at and laugh at and ponder at. But your word absolutely teaches. And the prophet has proclaimed and you have vindicated yourself being present with us by science by picture by vindication by every means possible you've proven to us that we're in this day of vengeance of our god but in that hour you promised that you would do a work in us that you would bring this embryo of the baptism of the holy ghost This changing our our nature the starting of the Process to immortality That you would comfort those that mourn there would be a time that you appoint us you remove the spirit of heaviness from us and you bring us forth as trees of righteousness in this hour Therefore we thank you for the promise We confess it will be done We believe it and we claim every soul in this building father that you will proclaim and reveal yourself to us in this hour and we accept it by the grace and of Almighty God. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege. Thank you for understanding and the spirit of wisdom that you've given us. And we thank you most of all for your election and Jesus Christ, our Lord, that has interceded for us. So we praise you and we'll worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray every soul come under the dictates of your Word of God in this hour. Transform us into your image and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and amen. What are we going to say? Yeah, you stand this one? He is here. Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning, would you? How many loves the Lord today? What a great, mighty God we got. Amen. Holy, holy I will bless His name again. And closely He has. He is he has to he is here. You can touch him. You will never be the same. He is here now. Will you receive Him today as the Judge of all things? Our God is present by His grace and mercy and truth. He has allowed us to stand in His divine presence as the finished product of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen is here. believe that once our confession goes forth, that God is here and He's present with us. And by the word of our confession, bring forth just like the law of faith, bring the realization that God Himself is here, and now we stand in His divine presence without any condemnation. That one thing it will do for you, that anointing is promised according to Scripture to bring you the oil of joy for mourning. I do not believe that you will have to encourage the bride to worship God, to read the Bible, to pray, or to put forth the very spirit of holiness because she and the Word will become one. Therefore, if you've never asked God for mercy, and asked Him to forgive you of your sins, and place you under the righteousness of His Word. I plead with you to do so. I don't know if it's too late or not, but I know one thing. The prophet said souls in prison now, and he said the days of grace is over. Therefore, unless we realize and accept the Word as it is today, There will be no salvation, no rapture, and no translation to anyone outside of those that understand the presence of God. We are now in the day of vengeance of our God. The sixth seal is open. The book is continuing. The judge is here. Now God is doing a work in His bride, because remember, He's got to take the bride off of the earth before... He can return back to Israel by two prophets to bring this same message of the presence, this ministry of Elijah, Brother Branham said, would be preached in the tribulation period. The same message you're hearing will be preached in the tribulation period of the spirit of Elijah. There's only two groups that I know that preaches Elijah, and that's those that understand the message of this hour, and the two prophets to Israel, because they'll say, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. So someone knows about the spirit of Elijah that they have missed the rapture and misplaced the scripture and refused to accept, as it was in the days of Noah, that the presence of God is here doing a work for you, if you will accept it. You say, what must I do to be saved today? Only believe and accept the Word of God, what He's doing. Die to yourself. There's something in every one of us yet that's still got to die. How easy that old nature is resurrected. How easy for the women to creep back into the fashions of the world. Men to creep back into pornography and look at women and all this stuff going on. It will resurrect for you. We've got to die. And understand you're looking at one thing. That's God the Word. It's not me. I can't judge you. I can't do one thing for you. Only one that can help you is God. And He's here in spirit form. And you've got an open book And I pointed you to the scriptures that's being fulfilled. Now according to your faith and the law of faith, be it unto you as it is according to the word. You will confess the law of faith to bring the presence into physical manifestation in your life. I can't do it for you. Only you can do it for yourself. So I'm asking you today, if you've never even started the process Will you accept the scripture for your salvation, be identified with Jesus Christ, be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and accept the word of God for this hour for your salvation and trust God's mercy to bring you into immortality. That's the only escape that you've got in this time period because the judgment is rapidly coming to where he's got to immortalize us and take us out of this world so that he can deal with the world, and two prophets will deal to Israel to bring in 144,000. That's where you're at, and you're going to see the corruption of the serpent seed. You're going to see the mark of the beast. And right now, you're seeing in different things. Now, then, you've got to have a shot to be able to buy, sell, go, travel, or you're going to lose your job and everything else. You say, Ah, oh, it's not the mark of the beast yet. They're bringing it in step by step by step. Now they're using your health and your wealth to force you under control. And remember, it will be a religious control that will not let you buy or sell until you take the mark of the beast, which will come down to religion. It will come down to religion. And when it comes to that state, There's no forgiveness if you take it. And they'll kill you if you don't. That's the deadline. But there's good news for the bride. If we just got enough to accept God and his word, we get out of here. We're the most blessed people on earth. My Lord Jesus. We look like a ragtime group of nobodies. But God has opened his word to us like nobody else on earth. I'm not bragging. It's God. I don't know. I didn't even know this until this week myself to see that missing link. So God is merciful to us. He's opened it up to us because he has promised us. If you stay with that word, that word will change you one word at a time. And we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. But you've got to start the process. You've got to start the process. There's no seed will grow in you until you start it. And you start with justification. Repent and receive the kingdom of God. He's here to immortalize you now. The book is moving, time is running out, and we're warned, as it was in the days of Noah. Whether buying, selling, marrying, whatever more, don't pay a bit of attention to it until it's too late. That's what's going on now. Don't let it go by us. Make it important. Make it your confession. And we'll understand the law of confession will bring the presence into flesh in this congregation and into your life. But unless the law of confession works, you'll just believe you're a Christian, you've been baptized, and you'll just go to church and pay your side, tithes and whatever more and do good things until the rapture's gone and you're in the tribulation. That's where we're at. I'd like to beg you and plead for you and scare you to death and run you to the altar, but it won't do you an ounce of good. I'm asking you, would you have sane enough and reject Satan enough to open your mind and receive the Word of God and just ask God, have mercy upon me, and may the righteousness of your Word become a part of me. Amen. So that's let's, let's this thing. It's a little out of mine. Praise God, because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take off the garment of mourning to praise, that'd be just like going to uh, we're going to a funeral and all of a sudden we found out that he wasn't really dead. That wasn't a good. That wasn't a very good man. Well, he's alive and well. Amen. So everybody's going to church hoping Jesus will come one of these days. We're here declaring that he has come and we got a we got a garment of praise instead of mourning and hoping that he won't come. All right, oh this little light of mine turn around and shake hands with somebody. I'm sorry.